0: thanks for listening to the podcast from gary combs and the preaching team at eastgate church in wilson north carolina check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more and now here's the sermon it's great to see you and it's such a, a really important day in the life of our church 32 years old praise the lord for these 32 years but we're not finished the lord is still moving in our church and we're still reaching out to see more people follow jesus and this series that we've been calling Simple Life, How Simple Commitments Create Great Life Change, we're finishing it up today, but, but, but that really is how the church started, is with a simple commitment. I see you, Gail. I'm so glad to see you today, by the way. Praise the Lord for that right there. So if you're watching online, and some of you are, we haven't seen Sister Gail in a while. She's been uh, fighting a lot of health challenges, but praise the Lord you're here today. We love you, Gail. But simple commitments, simple commitments um, is how this got started. A simple commitment to say, you know, Jesus, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do it. And uh, to put your yes on the table, to give give God your yes. And that's that's, that's really how great life change happens. And you might be saying, yeah, but I don't know what he's going to call me to do. Yeah, but he doesn't tell you that. You just have to say, Lord, I don't know what it is, but I say yes in advance. And then he tells you along the way. And so that's what we're talking about today. And, and you know, one of the best ways to, to make your life full and overflowing and to have this simple life that we're talking about in this crazy, complex, chaotic world is, is to ask yourself the question, why am I here and what does God want from me? To find your purpose in life and then to, to streamline all of the yeses and nos in your life around that. And to say, I'm going to say yes to the things that are in alignment with God's purpose for my life, and I'm going to say no to the things that don't align with that. And that's, that simplifies life so that you make room for what's important, and you, you, you get rid of those things in your life that are cluttering up your life, that are distractions from what God's called you to do. Yet we live in a day when many of us are just drifting along, without any sense of life purpose. We live in a day where maybe we've bought into the culture's idea that, that it's about um, owning a lot of things, staying busy, we, the so-called American dream. We think if we could just you know, get everything in our bucket list, if we could go here and experience that, what do you do when the bucket comes up empty? What do you, what do, you do after you've done all those things? And you go, now what? Um, and so we we have people that are feeling empty and unfulfilled, or or we think if I could just be number one, if I could be successful, if I could um, you know win American Idol or something, if I could like win the Super Bowl, if I could like if I could be number one, we think. But then when you talk to people who've climbed to the heights, you often observe that they're very lonely up there. Because in climbing the ladder of success, they've stepped on all the important relationships in their life on every rung up the ladder, and now they're alone because they've left behind family and friends in their pursuit of worldly success. How do we find this purpose? How do we find the reason God made us? Why am I here? Mahatma Gandhi once said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in serving others. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in serving others. Now he got this idea, he was a student, he was a Hindu, but he was a student of the Gospels, and he was a student of Jesus. He, he never came to faith in Jesus, but he greatly admired Jesus as a servant leader. And that's what we're talking about today, this idea of finding yourself by losing yourself and following Jesus and serving others. Now Because um, I kind of like to look up things to find out, is there a scientific basis that proves this out? I mean, God teaches us this, the Bible teaches us this, but has anybody looked into this to see if serving others, helping others, actually is beneficial? And so I went to Google, and I found this article, Seven Scientific Benefits of Helping and Serving Others. So you ready for these? I'll give them to you quickly. Number one... Helping others can help you live longer. Did you know that? Research has shown that serving others improves health and longevity. Helping others is contagious. Research has observed that when someone sees you serving someone else or you're serving them, it causes them to want to do it too. It's it's like serving is catching. Number three, helping others makes us happy. One team of sociologists tracked 2,000 people over a five year period and found that Americans who described themselves as very happy volunteered at least six hours a month in a nonprofit in their church somewhere. They, they, that made them happy, it increased their happiness quotient. And number four, helping others may help with chronic pain. How about that? That serving others is like medicine to your body. According to one study, people who suffered from chronic pain tried working as peer volunteers, and as a result, they experienced a reduction in their own symptoms. It's good medicine. Helping others, number five, helping others uh, lowers blood blood pressure. One piece of research showed that older individuals who volunteered at least 200 hours a year decreased their risk of hypertension by a whopping 40%. Serving others reduces your blood pressure. Here's one for the teens. Helping others promotes positive behaviors in teens. According to sociologists, teenagers who volunteer have better grades and a better self-image. And finally, here's number seven. Helping others gives us a sense of purpose and satisfaction. Studies show that volunteering enhances individual's overall sense of purpose and identity, particularly if they no longer hold a life-defining role, like like you've retired from a job that was kind of your identity, or maybe you're an empty nester and your kids have have left the nest. And so then you go, well, what do I do now? Who am I now? Serving others gives you that new sense of purpose and and meaning. And you can always find places of service. So the science indicates that it improves your well-being, your longevity, your happiness, et cetera. It gives you a purpose. But more important than that, there's an even greater benefit, and it's following Jesus. Because Jesus said, that's why I made you. I made you for a purpose. I made you so that you could serve God and serve others. And there's just such joy found there. Jesus calls us to be servant leaders. Now, we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, a mother came to Jesus. She had two boys she was really proud of. Their names were James and John. And they were one of the 12 disciples following Jesus. And she came to Jesus and she said, Jesus, I know you're going to be a king of a kingdom. And I was wondering, have you taken a... I look at my two boys, the good boys, and what, what if you gave one of them a seat on your right hand and a seat on the left? How about that? You know, you know, she's kind of like that mama that, that went down to the Little League coach and said, could you start my boy? You know, And that's what she said to Jesus. And Jesus told her, he said, you don't understand the path to leadership. You don't understand the way they'll have to go. And then he gave this teaching that the way to lead in the kingdom that I'm founding is upside down from the way the world's leaders lead. It's the path of servanthood. It's the path of servant leadership. And I believe as we look at the text today, God's still calling us, Jesus is still calling us to be servant leaders. And how can we do that? As we look, we'll see three ways. So let's dig in. Matthew chapter Uh, 20 starting in verse 25 and remember the context this is jesus he's he's given this teaching after the mama has come up looking for these two roles for her sons he says but jesus called them to him and said you know that the rulers of the gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them it shall not be so among you but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first Among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is God's Word. Amen. We're looking for three ways on how to be uh, a servant leader. Now, I'm going to follow something that maybe you've heard of this leadership guru. His name is John Maxwell. And John Maxwell uh, offers these, these proverbs, if you will, about leadership. Here's one that I'm kind of going to be using as a template uh, to look at the, the Jesus model for leadership. Here's what John says. He says, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. So let's just kind of look at his three observations there about a true leader and apply it to what Jesus is saying. And, and, and this is how I've worded it. How to be a servant leader, know the way of the Son. Know the way of the Son. That's, that's the first step. So look at verse 28. Notice how Jesus refers to himself. He refers to himself as the Son of Man. As the Son of Man. What does this mean? Uh, notice in, in, the, in the translation that those words are capitalized. That's because it's a title. And this is how Jesus referred to himself often in the Gospels. It was a messianic title. It was a way of saying, I'm the Christ. It, comes, it was often used in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament to describe the ancient of days that was to come, the Messiah that was to come. And so when the Jews heard this, it might be foreign to our ears, but when the Jews heard it, they knew he was talking about his identity as the Son of God who became the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ. How to know the way begins with knowing Jesus. To know the way is not to know the path, it's to know the person. The person. He says, come follow me. So knowing the way means to know the person, Jesus. He is the way. He is the way that, that He's calling us to follow. It says in John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, the path is not uh, that which we're to follow. We're to follow a person. His name is Jesus. Notice that Jesus begins by contrasting the way the world leads. He, he talks about the rulers of the Gentiles. He said, You know how they lead, they lorded over them. In other words, they, they, they walk all over people. They stand on other people's shoulders and press them down in order to lead. They, they might do it through uh, political things and uh, backstabbing and maybe even violence, but they lord it over. That's how they rise to the top. And then, and then he says, uh, and the great ones exercise authority over them. So the ones who are great are the ones who... Uh, uh, themselves first and and they do whatever it takes to win he said that's that's what you see and maybe that's what james and john's mom was thinking jesus was going to do like he's going to do that but that's not what he's getting ready to do that's that's what he says that the pathway to the kingdom of heaven uh, it's not what you think it's not climbing the ladder of success it's not climbing to greatness it's descending to greatness It's it's that he that would be great among you would be servant of all. This is radical. It's it's upside down, but maybe it's actually right side up. That maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, but I'm not a leader. I'm more of a follower. But what if Jesus is calling you, yes, you, to use your gifts, to use that, that which God has gifted you to serve others. And in serving others, he actually elevates you to servant leadership. That the pathway in the kingdom of heaven to being a leader is actually to be a servant. This is the new way. This is the way of the son. And he says, this is the new way. And if you're, if you're in the corporate world today or any kind of world where you're studying leadership principles... People are just, it's like they just found the leadership model from Jesus. It's like a new thing that's been around for 2,000 years, this idea of servant leadership. This idea of instead of trying to press people down in order to be a leader, in other words, you lift others up. This is the way. This is the way that he says, know the way of the Son. This is... Really interesting, uh, in, in, as we look at that, in verse 25, he says the great ones, uh, in the Greek that's megaloi, uh, the great ones, the mega ones, uh, they press down, but he said if you really want to be great, if you really want to be mega, the path is to descend to greatness, to, to, to go down and, and be a servant of others. And as we think about following Jesus, what does he tell us to do? Well, we don't have to guess. He gives us two thoughts on this. Both of them are great. You want to know the way to greatness? He gives us two great ways to greatness. One's the great commission, and the other's the great commandment. And really, our church is based on that. And our church is not the steeple. Our church is the... It's us. And so we're the church... And, and so he's given. So the Great commission, commission says this, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the Great Commandment is we're to make disciples, followers of Jesus, servant leaders. And we're all, I think we're all called to this servant leadership thing. That the way we lead is by serving. And we become others. We become people who lead others to follow Jesus. We make more servant leaders. We make more disciples. And so that's the great commission. And then he, he, then he tells us, okay, so what should these disciples look like? They should look like Jesus. Oh, but he gives us more detail. So what is that? That's the great commandment. Here's what, here's what it looks like. It's, he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there's no other commandment greater than these Now, we didn't plan for the children to have that as their prove it verse, or at least I didn't know about it. We're not that smart to plan that, but that happened today. Praise God, that was awesome. So our children are learning the verse. Maybe you know the verse, but it's not enough just to know it in your head. He wants this in your heart, that you would love God with priority, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you'd love others as yourself. That's what it looks like. To follow Jesus. And those are the kinds of disciples, like if you want to know, okay, what should these disciples look like? They should look like people who love God and love each other as they love themselves. And so we've put it like this. So this is our, and, and if you missed it on the way in the lobby, it's all over the walls. We just are praying it'll jump off the, lo- the walls and jump in your heart. And it's this, uh, Eastgate Church exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ who have a growing heart for God, expressed in passionate worship and generous giving. A growing heart for each other, expressed in authentic fellowship and devoted discipleship, and a growing heart for our world, expressed in intentional evangelism and sacrificial service. We just put into words basically what he said in the Great Commission and and the Great Commandment. You want to be great? Serve. Make disciples who love God and love each other and love our world. And, and so learning the way of the sun begins with knowing the sun, and then knowing the Son, we follow his purpose. This is about the why you do stuff. This is about the why you do what you do. Why do you... Uh, let's say you're serving in our church. Let's say you say yes to being on the guest services team, and so your job is to stand at the front door and to wear a lanyard with your name on it that says welcome or something and you're standing in front of the placard that says guest services and you're thinking well this is not a highly skilled position you might think that they told me to smile and to say good morning and you might be thinking yeah that's that, you know I do it but, but you need to know the way of the sun and if you know the way of the sun then you start thinking no I'm involved with making disciples of Jesus Christ who have a heart for God, heart for each other, and heart for our world. And what I'm doing right now is making it possible for that first-time guest, that second-time guest, that, that, that mother who's coming in and, and she, her husband has left her or, or she's a single mom and she's coming in, she's got kids all over and she's trying and then there's that gentle person at the door that helps her check those kids in and smiles and, and remembers her name when she comes back out, still does. She makes a decision that day on her first visit to that church, whether she's ever coming back. She doesn't make that decision based on the music, because she, she she doesn't base it she don't base it on the preacher and his preaching. She bases it on they were good to me they remembered my name they smiled they they helped me with my children those kind of things and if you start thinking what i'm doing is integral it's it's part and parcel of making disciples of Jesus. And then then you think about the the nursery worker, the one working with the children. If you think about every aspect of what we do. But then let's expand it outside the church because the church is us and wherever we go, we are the church. And you think about serving in your neighborhood, serving wherever. And, and, And it's not the thing you're doing, it's why you're doing it. Why are you doing it? It's because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I serve other people because he came to serve. And now that I'm following him, I'm doing it the same way. You you become a servant at the school. You become a servant on your sports team. You become a servant in your neighborhood and at your workplace. And you might be surprised that you get promoted. Because you're lifting others up. And then God lifts you up. This is the, the way that... Jesus is describing to James and John and the disciples. It's radical. It's, it's opposite of the world. He says, the way to become great, the way to, beco- to come in first, is actually to serve others. And this is what he says. Which leads us to the second way that we can uh, be servant leaders, and it's go the way of the servant. Go the way of the servant. Do you want to be great? Serve. Do you want to be first? Be a what? Be a slave. See, he just makes it harder here in verse 27. He says, would would you be great among... You must be a servant. And whoever will be first, you want to break the tape? You want to be the first one across the finish line? You want to win the Super Bowl? You want to get the trophy? Be a slave. Oh, no, he made that. One thing to be a servant... Nothing be a slave. He took it to a new level. He says, he says, be a, in the Greek he says, you, you want to you be great? Be a diakonos. You want to be, you wanna, you want to come in first? Be a doulos. In, in fact, in the Greek it's really cool. He says, you want to be a prodos? Be a doulos. Prodos is first. Doulos is slave. You want to come in first? Treat yourself like you're last. Put others first. That's upside down. That's opposite. But what happens is, as you begin to lead this life, it just fills you with joy, and God is the one who elevates you. He's the one who promotes you. He's the one that gives you influence. And others begin to see you as that indispensable member of the team, that indispensable fellow employee, that indispensable neighbor, who when (laughs) you're blowing off your curb, you go ahead and get their curb too. Whenever you're uh, doing something and your neighbor does something to irritate you, instead of bringing that to their attention, you do something kind to them. You become a servant, and little by little, God elevates you and gives you more influence. This is the pathway to servant leadership. Look how the disciples describe themselves in their letters. Uh, Romans 1 uh, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, a doulos of Jesus. This, this is from Peter. This letter this is uh, this from Simon Peter, a slave of and apostle of Jesus Christ. They went ahead and bought into this man. They said, I am blood bought. He, he owns me. I'm his slave. They, they elevate this. They're like, I'm proud to be a bondservant of Jesus because he bought me by his blood and, and saved me and set me free. I'm, his, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm sold out. That's what they said. Now, I'm even more impressed by these other two dudes. These are the half-brothers of Jesus. You know that they saw something in Jesus. I don't know how many of you have a big brother, but for you to say you're his slave, that's, that's, look what James says. James is his half-brother. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jude's another half-brother. He says, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, he wasn't going to say nothing about being a slave of James. He made sure of that, right? He goes, "Now I'm a slave of Jesus, but I'm just a brother of James. I ain't going to say that, you know, he knew James, right? There must have been something spectacular. They must have seen the risen Lord Jesus and realized you know what? He's the son of God, and I'm his follower. I'm his slave. These are men of God who identified themselves as slaves of Jesus, that they were sold out and blood-bought by Jesus. A good leader serves others and is an example of this service uh, in the way they do excellent service, no matter who's looking. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, it's not to be like that with you. You're not to be like those leaders that lead by pressing others down. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Now, pa- Pastor Jonathan Mentor uh, leads our children's ministry, and he, he recently got this book. It's a, litur- it's, it's a list of prayers and liturgies for different practical life experiences. He's been reading them to me lately, and he found one called A Liturgy for Changing Diapers. It's so like a prayer to pray for mamas and daddies and nursery workers at the church. And he, and he framed them and he put them over at the changing tables in our, uh, in our nursery uh, to inspire. Uh, and and, and when, you, when you go the way, see, you know why you're doing what you're doing. You know the way. I'm, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing it so others can come into faith with Jesus. And now I'm doing it with excellence because I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm doing it, and, I, and I'm, that's my motivation. I know the why. And then I need to know how. I need to know how to change a diaper. I need to know how to do it exactly. And, but then I need to keep reminding myself of the why. Because sometimes when you're doing the little things and the lowly things, it just stinks. It's just small and frustrating and obscure and who cares. And I wanted to be a star. Instead, I'm this. You know, you tell yourself things, and and this. And so to serve, especially those who can't serve themselves, and to do it, you know, I get to be up here preaching, and here you are watching, but the greatest servants in the building this morning, no one's watching. They're back there with your children, and they're changing diapers. And so Pastor Jonathan hung that, in a frame so that they could say, God, as I change this diaper, I pray for this little one. Lord, that you would cause them to grow up to be your follower. That they would do great things in the name of Jesus. That you would protect this little body and just help me. I just love this. And, and just to be able to think about why you're doing a thing. But not just why you're doing it, but to do it with love and to do it with excellence. Excellence. Because if you go the way of the servant, you'll do the little things. And the pathway to doing greater things is to first do the little things. To do the little things. In the, in the book of Zechariah, uh, he told them when they were rebuilding the temple, He said, uh, the Lord said to them, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And We watched a video earlier of what the church looked like when it started in my living room. When we were doing baptisms at the Tar River Reservoir. When your pastor was too poor to buy contacts and he was wearing them old aviator glasses from the 80s. Somebody asked me after the church, wish you'd bring them back. No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't need me to bring them back. They're just heavy on your face, man. Yeah, it was small beginnings back then. And, and, and the Lord's not done with us. As long as we hang on to Him and we keep serving, we don't have to aim at being great. We aim at being small. And he decides to, uh, to elevate us. If we aim at being great, we're doing it the way the world does it. But if we aim at being small, we aim at serving one another and serving our city, then he will give us influence. It's, it's simple. Serve God and serve others. It's a great calling. And do it with excellence. Going the way uh, means Understanding why you're doing it, but also knowing how to do it, and then to do it with excellence and with joy and cheerfulness. It means that. I serve in the nursery for Jesus and for these babies to give, to give them a safe and clean environment so mamas and daddies can feel safe. Last week, I told you, I think I told you all this last week, one of our our couples in the church with their first baby, they were standing outside the nursery. They were like just inside the glass doors, but they were looking into the nursery and then looking at their baby, then looking into the nursery and looking at their baby. And I came out and and I saw them stand there and I said, first time, and they went, "Uh uh-huh. Like that. It's such an important job. I've told you all this before. You know this, dude. And I told them this. I said, once you have two or three more, you'll just throw them in there. It won't be a problem. That's that first one. It's hard to get that first one in there. (laughs) Now, we, we are offering a seminar next week, very practical seminar, next Saturday. You can sign up on the event tab in the church center app. Uh, it's called Parenting, Munch, and Learn. We're going to feed you uh, food, and we're going to feed you facts and, and teachings about parenting. We've got so many classes we're offering next Saturday. Parenting in a digital age. Parenting the active child. That that means the hyper child, I think. Parenting uh, so that you know how to discipline too much or too little. Parenting through a mental crisis, which we see more and more, especially among our young people. Uh, Parenting Teens and Other Impossible Tasks. That's what one of the titles is. How to Have the Talk. We, we've we got that next week. I hope if you're a parent that you want to go the way of the servant, that you learn more about it. So one of the ways you do that is you tool yourself up. You you learn. And so go to the Church Center app and register for this. It's next Saturday. I hope you'll be there. And then finally we have Show the Way. So know the way of the Son, go the way of the servant, show the way of the savior. Jesus told us you got to be a servant. If you want to be great, you got to be a slave if you want to be first. And then he took it down, down, down. Cuz you see Jesus came down, down, down. He was at the right hand of the Father. Book of Philippians talks about it in Philippians chapter 2. He he was he was surrounded by the angelic host singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it says, who being in very nature, God did not equality with God grasp, but he emptied himself and became a servant. And he wasn't done. He kept on climbing down the ladder of love. And he humbled himself unto death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself and became a man and limited himself. Became the son of man and, hung, and became a curse. And then that chapter concludes with, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place so that at the name of Jesus, every mouth would confess and every knee bow in heaven and and on the earth. He, he, He came down the ladder of love. And so we see here in this verse 20, he says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He poured his life out. He, he, he gave himself as a ransom for those of us who had been kidnapped by sin and by, and by Satan and by the world and captive. And so he bought us out. He ransomed his life in exchange for ours. And he offered himself in our place. He came down the ladder of love. Therefore, God has exalted him. And this is our Savior who said, come follow me. And so he invites us to give our lives for others. To pour out our lives for others. You can't really say you've really lived to the fullest until you've poured your life out for it. And he, without apology, the master teacher of servant leadership, Jesus, says, do what I do. Come and follow me. Pour your life out. It's worth it. This is what he calls us to. He says, I gave my life as a ransom. I poured my life out. Give your life to this. It's worth it. We live in an age where psychologists are telling us, especially our young boys, uh, are suffering from a condition that they're calling failure to launch. They're they're not launching into manhood. Maybe it's because as parents we've forgotten how to raise boys. Maybe it's their culture. But I think part and parcel of this is they don't know what their purpose is. It could be the way the culture has has painted being male as some sort of negative thing, and so there's no space left for them with the gender dysphoria and the sexual dysphoria. And it's 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 bad for girls in a different sense, but for boys, it seems to be about purpose. They don't know why they exist anymore, and so they just continue being boys all the way into their 20s and 30s and on and on, and they never leave home. They, they have a failure to launch. They, they, don't, they don't know the way. They don't go the way. And they certainly don't show the way. They don't know how to pour their lives out. The great... Let me just ask you ladies this. Don't you want to have sons and husbands and fathers that the mark... Of those men is that they're willing to, to pour their life out for their families and for their city and for their nation. They're willing to give their lives. See, this sacrificial way of being a leader is not to be a dominator, but to be a servant, pouring your life out. Man, we've got to raise up our, our young men to do this and our young women to support men being like that, being servants. Oh, we need it. When, when Paul was trying to teach his young son in the Lord, Timothy, this, Timothy was not his biological son. It was his son in the Lord. He'd led him to Jesus, and he'd had him follow him around as, as Paul ministered, and so he'd invested his life in Timothy. He was developing a servant leader in Timothy. He writes this to him in 2 Timothy. This is a letter. It's a second letter to Timothy. He says, And the things you've heard me say... In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. He's basically saying to Timothy, the things you've seen me do, you know you've heard me talk about it. I didn't deserve to be an apostle. I, I, used, to, I used to kill Christians. I, 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 I was a zealot, uh, and, and I, I, I was a persecutor of Christians, but Jesus saved me, and I'm the least of the apostles, and and I'm the worst of sinners, but because of his grace, he saved me, and you you witness to this, and so I've poured out my life, in fact, he goes on in this letter, he says, I've poured out my life like a drink offering to the Lord, and now I want you to do what I've done, I've poured my life into you, Timothy, now you go, and you find men and women, and pour your life into them. And if we do that with our children, if we do that uh, with their with their with our schoolmates, if we if we, as teachers we do that with our students, as leaders in the business world we do that. And so what might happen is um, they might grow up under us and be greater than us. Uh, in fact, you might invest in somebody at work and teach them your job and teach them why you do it, and you teach them to know the way, go the way, and show the way like that. You show them how to do it. They might get promoted and you might be working for them. And you should celebrate that. You should be like Paul and says, I want you to do what I've done. I've poured my life. I've showed you the way. Now you go the way. You you know the way. Now you go the way. And you show others. I just believe we're supposed to be a leadership factory here at the church that we're to be producing disciples that are servant leaders. And the pathway to this leadership is servanthood to serve others. And Jesus led the master class on this. I've got a little chart for you. You guys know I love charts. I haven't popped a chart up in a while. I'm just feeling like a chart was overdue. So here comes one. And here's a little chart. It's called the five steps of leadership development. It's really simple. Step one, I do, you watch, we talk. So I'm going to do the task. You just watch. And then afterwards, we'll talk about it. And I'll tell you what you did right and what you did wrong. That's step one. Step two, I do, you help. Now I'm doing it, but you're helping me. And afterwards, we talk. And we talk again about what you did right, what you did wrong. You can ask me questions. Step three, you do, I help. Now you're doing it, and I'm just helping a little bit so you don't run off the road, right? I'm just going to help a little bit, and then we're going to talk. Step four, you do, I watch. Now you're going to do the whole thing. I'm I'm not going to touch anything. I'm not going to interrupt you. Then afterwards, we'll talk. That's step four. Step five, you do, someone else watches because now... You're showing the way to someone else. This is the five steps of leadership development. Church, we should be doing this. We should be, first of all, we're following Jesus. He's teaching us. We're doing it, and then we're bringing someone with us. Mom and dad, you're bringing your children. You're doing this in every area. At work, you're doing it. You're pouring your life into other people. It's the greatest thing on planet Earth to serve others. It brings you wholeness and happiness, and it's just a wonderful thing. And and, and you're helping and, and then you gain influence because you're pouring into others, showing the way of the Savior, showing them that he's the one that made me like this and answering the, their questions when they ask. Now, as we're thinking about that we're at 32 years now, it's our 32-year an- anniversary, are we that church, are we a church that's making disciples who are servant leaders, who have a heart for God, heart for each other, heart for our world? That's the word, that's the word for the year, by the way. Servant leadership. Leadership. I I was just thinking about our church going into 2024. Just kind of reading the newspaper, uh, talking to some city leaders. More, More new construction in Wilson County than in any other time of residential houses being built. This talk about a baseball stadium coming downtown and all of that extra. What's going on here? It sounds like, it looks like, there's a great demographic shift coming to the city like there's a, this is becoming a fast-growing place to live and work. What's our church going to do? Are we just going to sit here and maintain? You know, I, I'm getting older. It'd be, it'd be tempting for an older pastor to go, you know, I've worked really hard for the last 32 years. I think I'll coast. I'll just take care of this flock. And all those other people coming to town, we can just let them Go their way without hearing about Jesus. I can't do that. Can you do that? I can't do that. I can't. So, so what do we do? And I started thinking, in order to take care of whoever n- new is coming to our, to our area, whoever new is coming this way, we need to build a bigger barn for a bigger harvest. Now, I'm not talking about the building because the church is not the steeple. The church is the, is the people. So in order to have the capacity, in order to have the barn to, to contain the harvest, we have to have more leaders, more servant leaders. Can I give you a couple examples? Right now we have 20 community groups in our church. These, these groups meet in 20 different homes every week. I hope you're in one. It's a way of, of growing closer together to God and to one another. And these community groups meet in living rooms all over uh, eastern North Carolina right now. And I hope you're in one. So we have 16 of them that, that kind of service the Wilson campus and four that service the Rocky Mount campus. And, and they, they, they're devoted to the, to the teaching of the Word of God, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, and they practice this every week. Now, what if every one of those groups, the shepherd of each of those groups said, I'm going to train an apprentice this year, and I'm going to say, I'm going to do and you watch me do. Now, next week, you're going to do, and I'm going to help you do. Now, the following week, you're going to do, and I'm going to watch you do. You, you see where I'm going with this? What if every one of our, our shepherds started thinking, who's my replacement? And every one of you, now, I just gave one example. You think of, your, of the team you're on, whether it's at church or at work or in your neighborhood or at your school. That whatever team you're on, how can I replace myself? And what I mean by that, how can I pour my life into someone else to develop them to be a servant leader. And I believe if we do this in our community groups, we'll, we'll, I'll be standing up here next year if the Lord delays his coming, and we'll say, okay, now we've got 30 community groups, and now we're going to keep trusting God. Because if we don't have the capacity to take care of the next persons that walk through our doors, then we won't be able to care for them And then they'll walk right out the back door. And who will care for them then? Now, the Lord loves them, and he trusts us with them, but we have to have the capacity. We need more leaders in every area of our church. Now, we're also praying about planting a third campus. You've probably been hearing me talk about this so long that you've been like, yeah, you've been talking about that for a while. But we're still believing it, that we're supposed to. The reason we named our church Eastgate is because we're Interested in leading people to Jesus in eastern North Carolina because that's where we are. And so everything east of I-95 is kind of like, I feel like God told us to do something about it. Okay, And that means we need more leaders. We need more people that are feeling called to missions, local missions, international missions. We need so many more leaders. Some of you, some of us, are just sitting on our hands. We're just sitting on our leadership gifts and our serving gifts. And God's told you He wants you, and it, maybe you're afraid, or maybe you just don't know, God, I'll give you my yes if you just tell me what you're going to do. But He never does it. He always says, I need your yes, then I'll tell you where you're going. <laughs> you know, it's hard to drive a parked car. You've got to start driving, and then God will give you direction. You've got to start saying yes, and then He'll give you direction. I just believe, listen, Jesus is coming soon. I want, I want Him to find us busy. Amen? What, what are you doing? Is your yes on the table? Are you ready to serve the Lord and to serve His people where God has called you today? This is what God's asking us to do. This is what I believe He's called us to do. To know the way of the, of the Son of God. To, to, ship, to, to go the way of the servant and to show the way of the Savior. This is We need that on a t-shirt, don't we? But more than that, we need it in our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We're praying for leaders. We're praying for people that would recognize the pathway to leadership is servanthood. Lord, help us to do the little things. Help us to be the people of God that are willing uh, to do the little things and allow you to lift us up to greater things. Lord, we love you. And I, I pray, first of all, for that person that might be in my hearing right now that you've never said yes to Jesus. That's the first step of knowing the way is to know the Son, to know who He is and to follow Him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, I want to follow you, Jesus? You can do it right now in prayer. Prayer is just expressing your faith right in your seat. Just pray with me, dear Lord Jesus. You can do it right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me, that you were raised from the grave, that you live today. I believe that. Come and live in me. Forgive me of my sin. Adopt me into your family. I want to be a child of God, and I want you as my Lord and Savior. If you're believing that in prayer right now, asking Him, He'll save you. Others are here, and and you've given your life to Jesus, but you're sitting on your service. You're withholding it. It could be fear. It could be something else. It could be a hurt. Right now, would you say, Lord, forgive me, My yes is on the table. I put it afresh right there, Lord. I will do what you've called me to do. Just tell me what to do, Lord. And I'm ready to do the little things to serve you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.